The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of The Look Ahead. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and we got a new little relaunch of The Look Ahead this week. Uh, Ed Valentine had to step away to focus on his big blue view responsibilities. We wish him well and thank him for everything. But now we're going to bring in RJ Ochoa. We decided to stay in the NFC East. RJ covers the Cowboys for blogging the boys. RJ, and you have been coerced, drafted. I don't know what word you want to use, but you're here and we're grateful to have you. Appreciate it, Stats. Uh, you and I have recorded together before here on the Espionation NFL show, so we get along really well. We're always talking, and so it felt natural. To me, what it feels like, I am a, a child of the 90s, and um, do you remember when um, – because let's let's be real here, Monday Football Monday, the Oddcast, there is this lovable energy between the two productions. Um, and so to me, what this feels like, is you remember that episode of, depending on how you want to look at it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where the turtles met the Power Rangers and they crossed over with one another. And um, it was like a magical blend of heroes from different worlds, so to speak. This is that. We took the turtles from Monday Football Monday and we took the Power Rangers from the Oddcast. And now that's what the look ahead is. Hold on. <laughs> How do we get to be the Power Rangers in this arrangement? I think, if anything, we're the Turtles. The Oddcast is the classic, timeless Ninja Turtles. And Monday Football Monday is the flash in the pan, fad of the day, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I will have you know, Stats, um, you know, I, I don't know what your preferred musical um, or music platform is. I don't know if you're a Spotify or Apple Music person, uh, but Spotify listeners have been doing this thing with the end of the year coming. You know, it's like the time of year, like the best songs of 2020 uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. So people have been sharing like on Instagram and stuff like that, like their most listened to songs and their most listened to podcasts. And I want to give a big shout out to Evan Crawford and his dog, Finley. Evan 
uh, his top podcast for 2020 was the Blog and the Boys podcast. Go subscribe if you want to hear conversations about America's team, the preeminent team of the 90s. And uh, anyway, he said that he is also a massive Monday Football Monday fan, and he said it is definitely better than the Oddcast. Those were his exact words. Uh, so Evan is the man. Uh, but I'm glad that we can have an olive branch of sorts here on the look ahead. If you want to be the Ninja Turtles, I'm fine with that. I, I, I think I speak for Pete and Kist in saying that we're the Power Rangers. First of all, I don't think Evan is a real person. I think you made him up. <laughs> I think you wrote that review. That's your burner account. But regardless, uh, we love ratings and reviews. Even that one, if you're going to rip on me a little bit, that's fine. We love ratings and reviews. And if you ask a question in your review, we will definitely answer it on the show especially if you insult RJ when you put in your question. That is very true. Um, I uh, I don't have a problem being a punching bag for people. Um, in all seriousness, Ed is the man. I look forward to Ed's content at Big Blue View all the time. Uh, I get a chance to chat with him twice a year when the Cowboys play the Giants, which they will in Week 17. Who knows how that is going to go? But I am excited, Stats, to talk about how every game is going to go with you and your beautiful baritone voice. <laughs> well, thank you. That's the first time that's ever been described that way, but I'll take it. And before we get to week 13, we got to finish up week 12, RJ, because the Steelers and the Ravens played yesterday, and it was exactly as you thought a game that was delayed by six days would be. There were three turnovers in the first five possessions of the game. The Steelers dropped five passes, three of which came in the red zone in the first half. I mean, it was sloppy all over the place, but the Steelers get the 19 to 14 win. My question to you is, are there any conclusions you can take away definitively from this game? Or do you just sort of put it to the side because of all the weird circumstances surrounding it? I know that people had an issue with the way the Steelers internalized this, um, you know, I don't want to say feeling sorry for themselves, but but just kind of turning it into like a motivational tool. That is the thing I am most entrenched in, is that Mike Tomlin will channel anything that he has to to kind of get his team up. Um, and again, like there's, you know, we're dealing in the middle of a global pandemic. Like things are going, it was always known that the season was going to be wonky and you can have those conversations in 280 characters on Twitter, but Steelers fans are still going to think that the world is against them. And you know what, Mike Tomlin, good for you that you have an entire locker room who really believes that the NFL is against them uh, because that's the type of mentality I think that Super Bowl teams have. And I think Mike Tomlin is really, really, really good at that. Something I noticed before this game stats, I don't know if you realize this. I think it's, it's one of those obvious things do you realize that John Harbaugh has been the coach of the Ravens for over 50% of that franchise's existence? That's nuts. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, again, it's not like they've been around since, you know, 1960 or whatever. But, um, but yeah, like he is, he has crossed over the midway point. Last season was his 12th season, which matched, uh, you know, obviously everything to that point that the Ravens had before him. And so now he's plus 50. I mean, John Harbaugh very much is the Baltimore Ravens. My other uh, takeaway from this game, because it was really sloppy um, stats. I don't know. Are you a TikTok user? No, man. Well, okay. no, I'm a baby of the 80s, man. I am not a TikTok user. I'm not a TikTok creator, but I certainly, you know, time to time, laying in bed late at night, whatever, can't fall asleep. I'll browse TikTok. Did you know that Trace McSorley, who got some time in this game and had a 70-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood <laughs> Brown, he is quite popular on TikTok. Did you know this? No. 
there's a uh, a very unique like sound effect, I guess is what you would call it that that says his name in a in a fun way. And so he's this like TikTok is all videos and mashups or whatever, but he's this like meme on TikTok. And so people like adore him. So this this game crossed over into like all of the pop cultureness that is social media in 2020. The Baltimore Ravens played with 10 practice squad players, <laughs> two backup quarterbacks. They had seven pro bowlers on the COVID-19 list. Like this was not representative of the Ravens team that we know that's normally out there. But RJ, the game still counts. And here's the thing for Baltimore now. You're the nine seed in the AFC. If the playoffs started today, famous last words, they wouldn't be in it. Do you think they are one of the top seven teams in the AFC? Yes, but I I don't say that as confidently as I would have a few weeks ago. I mean, things are so bunched up in the AFC right now. The three seed is eight and three. The seven seed is seven and four. So that tells you just how jam-packed things are in the AFC. I've said this for a while. I don't think Lamar Jackson or whoever the quarterback is for the Ravens, pick whoever you want. There's not enough weapons around him to me. Like they're an incomplete team on offense. They depend so much on Lamar Jackson. Like if they're in a go-to spot where they need a got to have a first down or got to have a touchdown, who are you throwing it to? To me, the best person to give the ball to in that option is Lamar. And I think that's what he defaults to a lot of times. I think that we saw RG3, like it's never, you can never like replicate a player like Lamar, but there were brief moments like near the end of the first half where he kind of did. And you're right. Like that was the most success that their offense had in this game. I do want to say stats. What the hell happened at the end of the first half? Because Baltimore, like they're super woke. They embrace analytics. They are Twitter's favorite team, but this this is very uncharacteristic of a John Harbaugh coach team, what happened. And I, I totally buy that, that Steelers players were making it difficult and draining time with, with a no-timeout-left situation, but that was a really big flub on John Harbaugh's part that I really couldn't believe. And again, they lost by five, so I mean, if, if you know you told me they got a field goal there at the end, I don't know that it necessarily makes a difference. But that, that those are the types of things that, like, People are, people are so focused on, and I know that Kyle and Case have talked about this on the podcast. like, you know, Lamar this, Lamar that. People are analyzing his game, but there are bigger things happening with the Ravens. It's it's more than just one isolated thing that's not what it was last year. It's, it's a lot of their team kind of having miscues and missteps in a lot of directions. Yeah, I mean, they let what it was like seven seconds went off the clock at one point before they called a timeout, which didn't make any sense. And RG3 could have just spiked the ball and then they could have kicked the field goal instead of trying to hurry up and get the touchdown. Like, and you would think that somebody would be in his helmet, right? Saying spike the ball, spike the ball. Like, I don't understand why that didn't happen or maybe he didn't hear it or what happened, but you're right. Very uncharacteristic because John Harbaugh usually is on top of those things situationally. And you can pick a game, RJ, every week, at least one, there is a a game that is won or lost because a coach screws up situational play calling or situational decision making. It happens every week. We call that the Anthony Lynn Award. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, apologies to Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn Award or the Cliff Kingsbury Award or the, I mean, there are so many, but yeah, I mean, it was, you're right. This is not last year's Ravens team. Regardless of where you think they fit in the AFC, we can say definitively they are not the just the wrecking ball that the Ravens were last year. All right, let's stay in that division, RJ, because we're going to look at Browns and Titans next. And shame on me. I should have laid this out for everybody earlier. We're going to try and hit every single game in this episode. We might not spend the same amount of time on every game, but we're going to give you something on every game. 
Right now it's Browns Titans. This was the number two most popular game from the SB Nation Reacts. That's what you voted. You wanted us to talk about, which by the way, you can still do SBNation.com slash reacts or on Twitter at SBN Reacts. Vote for the games you want to hear us talk about. And to me, this is the Spider-Man meme game, RJ. This is literally two teams whose offenses work exactly the same way, pointing at one another. It's Nick Chubb pointing at Derrick Henry because the running backs are going to be the stars in this one. I think that's well said. Um, And I think that that's an interesting way to put this um, because like they are the Spider-Man meme, but like, I don't think the Baker Mayfield and Ryan Tannehill are Spider-Man memes. I don't think that uh, Mike Vrabel and Kevin Stefanski are Spider-Man memes. Um, I, and like, I don't think that Tennessee has a defensive player of Miles Garrett's caliber. I know you weren't like saying this in a literal way. And I think that's why, you know, I'm, I'm torn who to pick here because the NFL, a lot, another thing it is besides a game of chances, it is this like prisoner of the moment thing. And so people look at the thrashing of Indianapolis last week and people look at Cleveland kind of just, you know, poo-pooing the, the Jaguars and barely getting by. Cleveland's kind of handled their business as of late. Again, I know they didn't exactly run into anything tough against the Eagles, and I know that the wind was ridiculous against the Texans. Uh, But we are not too far removed from Tennessee losing to Indianapolis and really struggling that entire run all the way up to that. I do think that Mike Vrabel is this, like there was the report last week that he showed his players the film of the Colts pushing them around. Like I totally believe that he – he dialed up the the volume and the decibel and the measurement thing to 10. And I think that there's a regression there. And I think that Miles Garrett is back. And, and so I do think that this is kind of a sort of old school, um, like AFC Central type of game. But I do. I like Cleveland in this game more so than most people do, I think, just because I think like, have you seen that um, that Browns meme that is or it's more of a Baker meme and it's like, it's a, it's a circle of life with Baker Mayfield and it's like beat an inferior opponent. And then it's like talk trash. And then it's get beat by a legitimate team. And then it's play that the media is doubting me. And like, you know, it's, and it's like a never ending cycle. I think that they are sort of getting out of that. And I do think this would be a statement win for Cleveland. Yes. I, that's literally in my notes. Like if you're going to be the playoff team and the team that you think you are, these are the games you win. You win tough games against good teams. It you doesn't, you know, it's a pass fail business. It doesn't have to be pretty, but you have to find a way to get it done. And I like what Jarvis Landry told uh, pro football talk this week. He said, yeah, we're talking about the playoffs all the time. And to me, that's good. You can't shy away from that if you're Cleveland because you haven't been there in 19 years or however long it's been. Talk about it, because when you talk about it, it becomes a real thing to you. It becomes an expectation rather than like the ultimate end goal, in which I think if you're Cleveland, you want the end goal to be the Super Bowl, not just making the playoffs. So show me something here. Win this game. I think you clearly have the better defense than Tennessee, like you said. Pound the ball with Nick Chubb. Pound the ball with Kareem Hunt. Let Baker use play action and and lean on it that way, because... I do not want this game in the hands of Baker Mayfield if I'm Kevin Stefanski. I agree with that. I think Cleveland's in a really interesting spot, and I imagine we'll talk about them next week because they will be playing the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football after this. Uh, so they have a this is this is like 
and especially because it's like Christmas time, this is like get a lot of alerts on your phone from the Browns season. You know what I mean? Like lots of headlines with regards to this team. They have already reached eight wins, so they have established that they will not be finishing under 500 for the millionth year in a row. I like Cleveland in this game. I think if they're able to keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, um, you know, I think Baker is, it's been a weird situation where people are sort of universally agreeing that he may not be like a franchise quarterback, but he's enough for what the Browns need. I do think that this game might be the first one to finish of the week, just or of the Sunday slate, just because I do think there's going to be so much running. And so the clock is going to be like just ticking away, ticking away. It's going to be that game that while you're watching the red zone channel, you're like, man, they're already in the fourth quarter. Like this other (laughs) game just came back from halftime. And so it's going to be a lot of fun in that capacity. I would. Can you bet on that? That would be a fascinating bet to make every week. I would because you're right. I would totally take this game to wrap up in like a tidy three hours. Um, The Titans are favored by six points in this one. I think Cleveland can win the game outright. And whenever I get in that situation, I always go, if I think you've got a shot, a puncher's chance to win outright and I'm getting points, especially when it's six points to me, it's Cleveland. Like you have to take Cleveland, which worries me because when it seems that obvious to me, that's exactly what Vegas likes. Right. I agree. Um, I will take Cleveland as well. Um, But again, I mean, people are forgetting the struggles that Tennessee had and, and it was a really impressive performance last week against Indianapolis and a really good defense. Um, But right now that is the outlier. And maybe that was the beginning of a, of a streak, but I think right now there's a lot of reason to believe that Cleveland's going to come out and take care of business. And then it's going to be like, well, what happened? It looked so great last week. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's a whole season and not just one week. I don't know. It's a weird thing. (laughs) That could be a factor. Some things beyond what happened seven days ago do actually matter. Uh, by the way, since this is the relaunch of the look ahead, I'm taking this opportunity to completely whitewash my previous picks record. And we are starting fresh. I think that's the only fair thing to do. I think that's fair. I have been keeping tabs of your survivor picks on the oddcast uh, when when I make time to listen to the show. It, it's it's a lower priority for me than most things. Um, we, we have been... Uh, tracking our picks all season long on Monday Football Monday. You'll be pleased to know I'm in first place at the moment. Michael Kist is in second, and Pete Sweeney is in third. Pete thought legitimately that the RG3-led Ravens stood a chance uh, in Pittsburgh, which was really dumb. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so my point is I'm really good at making picks, and we do those straight up, so uh, factoring in some points here. I think the Browns easily cover. And, and maybe, maybe this even comes down to, like, because it is going to be this kind of, like, equal back and forth type game in the Spider-Man meme way. Maybe this comes down to another Steven Guskowski moment that he falls short in. And then oh. it's another week of all that. That's like a tough battle, right? Because you've got the Guskowski struggles up against just the Cleveland Brownness of the Cleveland Browns. And like, I don't know who wins that battle. Like maybe the ball get gets stuck to the upright. Cause it's really cold. I don't know what would happen in that case, but yeah, that is a weird battle. Uh, but we both like the Browns in that one. So very good. Let's move on to the NFC now. And this is the number one game from everyone that voted on the SB Nation Reacts poll. Rams and Cardinals. The Rams are 7-4. and four. They come in off that loss to the 49ers for the second time this year. Going against the 6-5 and five Cardinals, RJ, who are a Kyler Murray Hail Mary away from being under 500. So first of all, don't think I didn't hear that pep in your step. That second loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, again, unequivocally not the team of the 1990s. But uh, I, so the Cardinals are this, not a paper tiger, but 
the Cardinals are the team that everybody wants to be really good in a way that the Browns were forever. And like the Cardinals, like, I don't, again, the Hale Murray thing, like we heard it forever and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I went to Texas A&M, so I have a tiny little sore spot against Kyler Murray in that regard for leaving, whatever, that's fine. Um, but I, I do also, the if there is a paper tiger, it's the Rams. And so I don't know that I think these these games or th- these two teams are equal. Um, this to me feels like it could be that Thursday night football game that we saw between the Rams and the 49ers a few years ago. I think it was a color rush game. And it was, it was, wow, this is what we're going to see in this division for a long time. Like this could be that, like this, this is just an extension of that. We're just swapping. I know you said uh, to BLG the other day that the NFC West is, is sort of this weird situation where the Seahawks have the 49ers number and the 49ers have the Rams number and so on. The Cardinals have a weird spot in that. Like the Cardinals, I, I feel like people, people want so badly for the Cardinals to be on the same level as the rest of the NFC West. And I don't think it is. And I think they're trying to find their way of, of getting there and maybe they will. And maybe Kyler Murray can continue to pull things off, but you're right. Like if not for that particular moment, this would be a very different team. Um, but that was a really, no offense to the Niners, embarrassing loss for the Rams last week. And because of that, I do think that Sean McVay kind of said, Whoa, crap. Uh, we're flirting with missing out from the playoffs here. We got to get things together. I still don't think that the Rams will win the NFC West, but I think that they're a wildcard team and I think they win this game. The Rams are a three point favorite in this game. Yeah. If I was a Cardinals fan or as a 49ers fan, looking at the Cardinals, I'll say to me, like you're almost a year early, right? Like you're not a finished product yet. This isn't the Cardinals team where you put everything together and you're like, now we're going to make our run. Like the 49ers are a finished product. Like this was supposed to be our team to make another Super Bowl run. The Cardinals are not at that point yet. So I almost feel like this year is gravy for them. Like whatever they get out of it is awesome. Um, but they are not on the level of the other teams in the division, whether it's Kyler Murray, who can who can sometimes look awesome, but sometimes he can go, what was he, like nine for 33 or something against the Cowboys earlier this year? Like he can throw up some absolute clunkers here. That consistency is not there with him and with the Cardinals. And I think Sean McVay is a better head coach than Cliff Kingsbury. So to me, it's the Rams in this game, even though I agree it could be a very fun one, but I think ultimately LA comes out on top. I do think that this is maybe after this week is the time to play some sort of wager on the Cardinals as a playoff team, because I do think they make it. Um, They're following or their final five games are bordered by two games against the Rams. And let's say they split those, right? Cause I mean, it's divisional, you know, however that goes, but there are three games in between that they're on the road against the New York giants next week. Then they get the Philadelphia Eagles at home cross country trip, however much stock you put into that. Those are two easy wins. We're saying that they're going to split with the Rams. Again, that's a fair proposition. That already puts them at nine wins, and I think that's enough on its own. Uh, The 49ers at home, which is technically home, I guess, for the 49ers now, uh, in the penultimate week of the regular season, that's a bit of a toss-up. And I know that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are back for that game, which would obviously be a huge factor. Maybe that's a game we talk about that week as well. Uh, But I think they get to nine wins rather easily. And so I think that people... The, the stock will drop on the subject of reacts like the Cardinals graphic is going to dip after this week, but then it's, it's going to climb like crazy as we all continue to prolong our Christmas shopping, like doing it online and everything. Um, and then in the final two weeks of the season, it's going to, they're going to be one win away 
from securing a wild card berth when they get ready to host the 49ers and they're going to have two shots at it because they'll get those two divisional rounds of matchups. Ah, sorry, those two divisional games. I don't know. I'd see to me there are no easy wins for the Cardinals because wow. you're the Wow. Would you be stunned if they lost any of the games on the schedule? Like I wouldn't be shocked if they won those games and I wouldn't be shocked if they lost them either. Like they're they're so inconsistent to me and Cliff Kingsbury in a tough spot you can count on Cliff Kingsbury to make the wrong decision because he's going to trot out his field goal kicker on fourth and short, and God knows if he's going to make the kick, but Cliff Kingsbury is going to be too damn scared to even try to go for it. I think that's fair. I don't think that the Cardinals are losing to either of these NFC East teams. So, I mean, they're they're at the very least getting to eight wins. And so at that point, it's win one of three, and, you know, you're dancing. Um, I don't want to go this far, and again, the the final five games for the Rams are bordered by Cardinals games, but is this a must win for the Rams because their division is so tough, as you know? Um, after this, they get the Patriots, they get the Jets, so that's certainly a win. But their penultimate game is in Seattle, and so I mean, I know what we've said about the Rams and, and the Seahawks and everything, but still, like this is a, a harder road to hoe, and in in that way, this could be a must win for the Rams and but I think they do win in fact I think they cover as well yeah I, I think your point stands though if they did manage to lose this game then they're really in a fight for the rest of the way as you sort of laid out and I mean like we said I know that they've had success against Seattle but when you're going up against Russell Wilson I don't think you could ever just look at that game and say oh that's a win no problem so yeah this is there's a lot on the line for both of these teams in this game the loser of this game is going to be like well all right we got work to do like they're going to be uncomfortable. This is a pucker game the rest of the way. That's a great way to put it. Mm, this is this is whoever loses this game is the like, this is my last meal before I go on a diet. You know, what I'm talking about like it's that moment of like self-clarity, self-realization, like, OK, I, I have to have a talk with myself, which I guess is fitting the week after Thanksgiving. By the way, what would that meal be for you? Um, so I live in Texas and, uh, we actually were kind of talking about this before we started recording, uh, Whataburger, Whataburger. Have you ever had a Whataburger in your travels? But you've heard of it. I I imagine. Yes. It's better than advertised. And so I would have a, a sweet and spicy bacon burger from Whataburger and, um, and I would feel pretty good about that. What would yours be? I live in Connecticut and I happen to live in New Haven, near New Haven, Connecticut, which is like one of the top 10 pizza places in the entire planet. So I think I would have to go pizza, but. There is something tempting about a burger that I will not deny. So good work by you. All right. Last game before we take a break here, Eagles and Packers. And this is fascinating to me because these are the two teams that stunned everybody in this year's draft by taking quarterbacks, the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts and the Packers taking Jordan Love. Now, only one of those quarterbacks may see the field in this one, and that's Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. But this is sort of a weird game because... It has playoff implications, even though the Eagles are so freaking terrible. I saw uh, stats, a stat, actually not a stat, but a line, an odd, a prop, if you want to call it that, uh, from Bet Online, and I'm curious for your take here. Um, It was the first to leave the organization that is the Philadelphia Eagles. The, you know, top person here is Doug Peterson with four to nine odds. Then it is Howie Roseman with seven to four. Odds. The longest odds belong to quarterback Carson Wentz with 10 to 1 odds. 
I think that Doug Peterson is the most valuable member of the organization of these three. I realize there are financial reasons that the Eagles uh, cannot move on from Carson Wentz, as you and BLG and Jimmy Kemsky so brilliantly outlined on the Oddcast. I know, again, a quality show uh, from time to time. But and and that idea is it, like I feel really badly for Carson and. I want to be crystal clear. We have had a lot of fun at Blogging the Boys this season uh, with with uh, this storyline. We sort of jokingly referred to Jalen Hurts as QB1 of the team back in the offseason. But like the fact that they even drafted him is so mean um, to Carson Wentz, honestly. I mean, like this dude finally got out of the situation, the the like, you know, psychological, I, you know, I don't want to call horror, but like, there, nobody has ever in the history of the NFL been in a situation like Carson Wentz was in after Nick Foles won that Super Bowl, ever. Um, I mean, there have been similar situations, but for to be the franchise's first and, and all the like narrative that came along with that. And so for him to like finally climb out of the quicksand just for you to push him back in by drafting Jalen Hurts was really mean. And so I'm not surprised that they're falling apart. They, I, I, I'm, I hope that they let Doug Peterson walk as, as a Cowboys fan. So your bet said first to leave, but it didn't say first to leave this year. Like as long That's as true. if it's two years from now and, and Carson Wentz goes, then he technically wins that bet. Do you think they all survive the year though? Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman and, and Carson, like there will be change, right? Because stats here. And I know we're supposed to talk about this game, which they're going to lose, right? Let's, <laughs> let's be okay, clear. <laughs> right. The Packers are going to win, but the Eagles. So they lost on Monday night against the Seahawks next week after this game against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. They host the New Orleans Saints. Taysom Hill is going to throw for 300 yards against this team. Let's no, be real. <laughs> no, don't even get me started on Taysom Hill. No, he's not. After that, the Eagles travel to take on the Arizona Cardinals, not the 49ers. So the Arizona Cardinals in that building. After that, they visit the Dallas Cowboys. And again, Cowboys have a lot of problems themselves, but I think you and I would both take Dallas in that game. And then they host Washington in the season finale, a team that already beat them. And so I, I think it's very possible that they don't win another game. I will say if they made a full-time switch to Jalen Hurts, that's a wild card factor. Maybe that happens in this game. Like, like it has to happen at some point, right? Like the Eagles cannot conceivably go the rest of this season or really another football game with Carson Wentz playing this badly. I mean, I'm sure it makes your heart very happy that the Seahawks have such a bad defense. And I know that it sucks that they're still really good in spite of that. But the fact that Carson Wentz couldn't take advantage of that really speaks to his inefficiencies. And so the Pat, the Packers are going to get up like 30 to nothing in this game. And that is Jalen Hurts time. And I mean, like put Jalen Hurts out there and let him be, even if it's for just like the fourth quarter. There's no reason not to do it, whether it's hey, we're getting killed and we're just going to, you know, chalk this one up as a loss and let's see what Jalen is. Or it's Carson's just been so bad that we can't deal with this anymore. Whatever justification you want, there's no excuse for this. You drafted this guy knowing that you weren't going to be able to free yourself from Carson Wentz after this year. So what was the point of taking him then if you weren't going to let him see the field in some more frequent capacity? Like, you have to do something. Carson Wentz is already playing like what you're afraid Jalen Hurts could play like. He's already playing bad. He's already turning the ball over. Like, so what are you scared of? I think you have to throw him into the mix. It, it's only to your benefit. Like, let's say he comes in and he's awesome, right? Then if you're the Eagles, you have options. Maybe you 
trade Jalen Hurts after the season. If you're still confident in Carson Wentz, maybe you can get some picks back. Maybe you hang on to him and you you just swallow Carson Wentz's money for another year and then get rid of Carson after. Like You have so many more options if Hurts is good than if he's a mystery. To me, there's no reason not to put him out there. What if he's really bad? I mean... Then the contract <laughs> over, and Carson's your guy, and that's fine. Like, there to me, there's nothing that can happen where you end up in a worse position than you are right now. Okay, so I have two questions for you, and the second one only exists if you answer the first one a certain way. So I'm really hoping you answer the first one a certain way. Is somebody of that triumvirate, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, Carson Wentz, leaving the Philadelphia Eagles after this season, in your opinion? Yes. Rank them for me in, in terms of most likely to leave. And by leave, we mean like literally get thrown out the door, um, like the introduction to Fresh Prince style. Well, who is the It's always, it's, yes, yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, like, like that style, who, like, most likely to least likely? Number one, most likely, Howie Roseman, without a question. He's been there the longest. He's, he's had some success there, obviously, but they all have. But he's also had a lot of struggles, too. So, I would say Howie's most likely to go. Number two is Doug Peterson. Even though he's, you know, the coach that won them the Super Bowl, it's easier for them to get rid of Doug Peterson than it is to get rid of number three, and that's Carson Wentz, who they would just owe a ton of money to. And while I can see them eventually moving on from him, it's not going to be after 2020. So this is a bit of a tease, um, which is sort of our job here. If Doug Peterson were to be made available, is he the top head coaching candidate on the market in your mind? Does he surpa- does he surpass Eric Bieniemy? I would have to say yes, only because my knock on Eric Bieniemy is we have no idea what he is without the best quarterback in the sport. And Doug Peterson can say, "I have a Super Bowl, and not only do I have a Super Bowl, I have success with two different quarterbacks, one of whom stinks without me." So, to me, I have to give Peterson the edge over Bieniemy. That would be interesting. I'll tell you in a little bit stats where I would like to see Doug Peterson end up as a head coach. We're back here on The Look Ahead, episode 13. And RJ, you had a little tease before we went to break there about the future of Doug Peterson and where you want to see him end up. So stats, we know of a few teams in the NFL that are for sure going to need head coaches in 2021. The Atlanta Falcons, the Houston Texans, and the Detroit Lions all legitimately have coaching vacancies. We have some guesses on teams that we think are going to have head coaching vacancies. The New York Jets certainly come to mind. The Los Angeles Chargers. Um, are, are I would put the Jets and the Jaguars in the next tier. Like they're, you know, they're almost official you know they're the they're the couples that like you see holding hands in in eighth grade and it's like are y'all going out it's like no we're just friends like nah we see what's going on y'all are going out um i think i think the chargers are a step below you know like somebody saying like i saw a text message you know like from from them to them like whatever so there's a great i think that again the Chargers might graduate to that level soon enough, maybe with a loss this week against the Patriots, but that loss last week against Buffalo was really bad. But I think the Chargers and the Bears are on the tier below that. Maybe maybe Matt Nagy can kind of convince, um, you know, Bears ownership to keep him around. But so we've got Atlanta, Houston, Detroit, New York, Jacksonville. And for the purposes of this conversation, we'll throw Chicago and L.A. in the mix. I would love to see Doug Peterson get his hands on Justin Herbert. Put Doug Peterson in Los Angeles. He's already got the silver fox look to him. You could see him on like a local news telecast late at night. It would be a lot of fun. The Doug Peterson show. I mean, Sean McVay, the youth movement. Nah, 
get Doug Peterson courtside seats for LeBron and the Lakers. Let him work with Justin Herbert, with Austin Eckler, with Keenan Allen, with Joey Bosa. It'd be a lot of fun. And it, it would bring me great joy as a Cowboys fan. Okay, so you be Doug Peterson, and I'll be Chargers ownership. Okay. Here's my first question to you. So you think I should hire you because you're going to be really good with Justin Herbert, right? Right. Why can't you be that good with Carson Wentz? Justin Herbert is a million times better than Carson Wentz, first of all. Um, Second of all, my greatest success really came independent of my quarterback. Have you seen my Super Bowl? Hello. I won it with Nick Foles. I'm late to my Chicago Bears interview because I'm sitting here talking to you. The Bears thought that they could do what I did with Nick Foles, and they couldn't because only I could do it because I'm Doug Peterson. And so you're giving me, you know, Michelangelo could have made a great sculpture if you gave him a pile of cardboard. Sure. But people gave him this beautiful slab of marble. That's what you're giving me. I made a statue out of cardboard. It's outside the link in Philadelphia. He's saying Philly, Philly to me. And then we went and beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now I'm going to put a statue outside of SoFi Stadium. I know this place is like a campus. We'll do several statues if we have to. But me, Justin Herbert, the whole gang, let's dance. But you just told me that Nick Foles is a pile of cardboard. Isn't Carson Wentz better than that? So again, why can't you do with Carson Wentz what you did with Nick Foles? Carson Wentz is so bad that my general manager wanted to draft Jalen Hurts. All right. Have, no, I've been dealing. It's cold. All right. In Philly. I want to come live in the sun. All right. You know, I want to be out here. Hollywood. I, I bought six pairs of sunglasses for the trip out here. Don't let those go to waste. <laughs> well, I got news for you, Doug. We're not bringing in Nick Foles here. So maybe you need to get the Chicago job because we're not high. You have not convinced me, sir. Good day. Fine. Let's say that Doug Peterson is not the Eagles head coach in 2021. I think it would be awesome to see him coach the Chargers. I don't think that fits for the Jets. I think the Jets need like a youth movement. Like the Jets need a whole new thing. Everything needs to be new. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a new office building. You need new desks and new, you know, new coffee makers and everything. Like you just need new there. So where should Doug Peterson go if not for the Chargers? I think he should go to the Jets because I think the complete opposite about the Jets job. The Mm. Jets always go with the new head coach, right? We got to get the new guy, the hot coordinator. Adam Gase is going to be great. He's a freaking genius. Peyton Manning. They could have had Mike McCarthy. They could have had Mike McCarthy. They said no. I think the fan base in New York wants an established guy. And Doug Peterson would be perfect. Doug Peterson could come in with a ring and say, look, see this? This is going to blind you. You don't have one of these in New York since 1969, okay? I know how to get it. We're going to have Trevor Lawrence, and we're going to kick everybody's ass in this division for the next 10 years. That's what I would say if I was Doug Peterson with the Jets. You sold me a little bit. Um, I just really like the Chargers, and I, I really want them to be good. Um, and it's it's a crime that Justin Herbert is, is being wasted. Plus, we've heard all about, you know, Oregon quarterbacks being connected to Philadelphia Eagles head coaches. How ironic would it be if an Oregon quarterback, Doug Peterson, ended up in L.A.? By the way, Chip Kelly's in L.A. himself, albeit on the collegiate level. It'd be a nice sort of ending to that whole saga in a weird way. Did you just bring that up to just sort of twist the knife and Chip Kelly one more time? No. I mean, that was a really enjoyable time for me as a Cowboys fan. Um, <laughs> again, so, um, but um, I think stats that all of these teams, while Doug Peterson could be a potential option, there's no question that Eric Bieniemy is the option. Um, so the, all these teams are on Eric Bieniemy watch to us because 
they are all likely going to have him in um, for interviews and likely going to have him involved. He is clearly, I think, the leading candidate to be a head coach. He, you, you mentioned like the hot guy. That's Eric Bieniemy. So maybe he's the guy for the Jets job. I do want to point out one interesting thing, though, that I read uh, on Wednesday in the MMQB. Shout out to Albert Breer. On the subject of the Chargers job, do you know stats that Justin Herbert, in talking to Peter King before the draft, mentioned a particular offensive coordinator's name to him as somebody he was excited to meet at the combine? I did not see that. He was excited at the time to meet Josh McDaniels. And we've obviously heard, I'm just, these are facts. Like uh, Josh McDaniels has always been linked to head coaching jobs. And I want to see Eric Bieniemy get a job, but I do think, especially with the way New England has gone this season, this might be the time for Josh to leave. But the other interesting point that Albert Breer pointed out, Tom Telesco, the Chargers general manager, he was college teammates with Josh McDaniels. So there's a lot of, you know, synergy there. So maybe that's what happens. That would really suck for Justin Herbert. Uh, so I hope that that doesn't. But I think the groundwork is already being laid, uh, which would free Eric Bieniemy up. Right now, I think my answer might change here on a week-to-week basis. I think people put Houston and L.A. as the most desirable destinations because of the young quarterbacks. I would rather have the Chargers job. Obviously, I mentioned the L.A. lifestyle, whatever. I do live in Texas, so shout out to Houston, um, who made a fantastic trade, by the way, in the NBA on, on Wednesday night, but whatever. Um, but, like, Houston has no draft picks. And, like, I want Eric Bieniemy to get a shot to, to flourish, and he would be starting behind the eight ball with the Texans, which is unfortunate for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I absolutely agree that I think L.A. is the better head coaching spot right away. The problem is you got to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year, every year. For the entirety of that job, you got to face Andy Reid twice a year and Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Sure. That isn't ideal. But if you're Eric Bieniemy, and I'm sorry, I think this is a factor. Like black head coaches do not get the same amount of chances and amount of time as white head coaches. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, I got to win right away. And if I'm going to do that, it's in LA. You look at that roster, I think the LA roster is better than the Houston roster. And I can't take that risk that even though I maybe Deshaun Watson is better than Justin Herbert, like I got to win now as soon as I come in there because I don't get as much time as other people do. So to me, L.A. is the spot. I think there's an an interesting argument to make for Detroit in the sense that because you're right, you've got to win right away. Right. So like what's the easiest way to like be viewed as a winner, like win your division, get to the playoffs. Right. And so obviously the Chargers are in what is now the toughest division to win. And the Raiders look really good and, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so I realized that the Lions play in the same division as Aaron Rodgers. But like of all the hourglasses, that's the one with the the fewest amount of, of sand pellets. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can just if you, you know, because. The reality is you're going to need a couple of years anyway to institute your culture and kind of get things off the ground, et cetera. Why not do that in a time where you know you can't compete because of who Aaron Rodgers is? Earn, you know, Do your tank, whatever you're going to do, get your quarterback, whoever it's going to be. And by the time Aaron Rodgers is gone, and we've even seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers might leave soon because of the Jordan Love factor that you mentioned earlier. And so that division could be wide open. And so I think that Detroit is a sneaky sort of would-be player in all of this. And for what it's worth, if Aaron Rodgers leaves and like goes to the Jaguars, then go to the Jacksonville if you're, if you're Eric Bieniemy because that solves your problem for you. Yeah, but the the key part of that is that they have to get the quarterback. And if I'm Eric Bieniemy sure. and I can go to a place that has already done, I mean, the Lions have been looking for a good quarterback for 50 years. 
I mean, Matt Stafford's pretty good, but he, you know, he's not like an upper echelon guy. And so, you know, at least the Jets can say, we're going to get the guy that everybody seems to think is that guy. They're, they, oh, they're going to keep losing and they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. The Lions are going to have to do some work one way or the other to get that guy. So that'd be my only hesitancy with that plan. I think, again, the Aaron Rodgers factor is really interesting here, especially contingent upon where he potentially wound up. Like, I don't even know that we can forecast that, right? Like, if, like, what team would Aaron Rodgers play for in 2021 that isn't the Packers? Like, of the teams we're talking about, Jacksonville kind of makes some sense. Or, and, and this, I don't know that this would really impact Eric Bieniemy's decisions because I don't think any of these teams would, would sort of be influenced by that. But I'm sure this would make your heart sing if Aaron Rodgers went back home and finally got a chance to play for the San Francisco 49ers. I, I will say right now, stats, I'll put it on record, talking about looking ahead, I think that one of Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan is the 49ers quarterback in 2021. God, let it be Aaron Rodgers. I want no <laughs> old, slow Matt Ryan. You know who Matt Ryan is? I'll tell you who Matt Ryan is. He's the guy in the romantic comedy that doesn't do anything wrong, but they're the person that's with the female protagonist at the start of the movie. And you know, there's no chance in hell that that woman is going to end up with that guy by the end of the movie. That's who Matt Ryan is. There's nothing wrong with him. He's, he's done nothing wrong. He's a totally fine guy, totally fine quarterback. I want nothing to do with him. No part of him whatsoever. He'll he can never be the quarterback for my team. That was a really I'm trying to think of an like the the rom com guy in question. Um I think it's a really great person that the female protagonist is dating, right? Like and so the main character, like the guy you're rooting for, you know, he shows up to the like family event and the girl is dating Matt Ryan. And you're like, Are you serious? You know, <laughs> like He's fine. He's got a sweater vest. That's cool. But the guy I'm rooting for plays guitar. Aaron Rodgers plays guitar. That's what it is. Stats. Yeah. And by the way, when they went head to head, Aaron Rodgers absolutely smoked Matt Ryan. I don't know if you remember that, but I certainly do. So yeah, God, from your lips to God's ears, please let Aaron (laughs) Rodgers end up in San Francisco next year. Okay. I think we've exhausted the coaching search for now, but it's going to be something that we do every week because, you know, as they play these games, that sort of thing shifts every week. So the Eric Bieniemy watch will live to fight another episode. But we got to run through some games here, RJ. Let's get a little music here. We'll go, we'll call it the lightning round, and we will run through a bunch of these games. And let's start with an easy one. Las Vegas at the Jets. Vegas is giving eight points. I will take the Raiders to cover even eight points. I would take the Raiders to cover 80 points. I don't care how bad they looked last week. It's the Jets. They are terrible. Jacksonville at Minnesota. Minnesota's laying 10 points in this one. Kirk Cousins is on a media tour um, selling some cereal. I think it's called Cinnamon, like M-I-N, like Minnesota. Um, And (laughs) he is, uh, all the proceeds, I believe, like go to his and his wife's charity. I, I like Kirk Cousins more than most people. And I think he is... Um, you know, he's not properly appreciated. I will take the Vikings to cover in a bold move. I will take the Vikings to cover too. Kirk Cousins has quietly started shedding that, like, he's not really a clutch guy. He's made some big plays at the end of games, including last week. But yeah, I'll take Minnesota. I'll lay the points. I know it's a lot, but I feel good about the Vikings. Famous last words. Next up, Cincinnati at Miami. Could have been the Joe Burrow to a game. Instead, we're going to get... Whoever the hell is playing quarterback for Cincinnati against Ryan Fitzpatrick. I cannot believe that I'm taking three teams to cover eight or more points, uh, but the Bengals are really bad. 
Um, and I think the Bengals, by the way, stats, bit of a spoiler. I wrote about this at blogontheboys.com. I think the Cowboys over the Bengals is the only win that an NFC East team has over the next three weeks because the Bengals are really bad. Uh, so I will take Miami to cover. It's 11 and a half, by the way. I don't care. Brian Flores is a really good head coach to me. He's not going to have any trouble covering that. Next up, Colts at Texans. The Colts are giving three and a half. I think that the Colts, to the point we made earlier, there is like some recency bias. People are like, oh, they got, you know, curb stomped by the Titans. Well, guess what? Derrick Henry, when he gets hot, he's really good. Guess what? The Texans, yeah, they looked awesome. But guess what? It was against the Lions that got Matt Patricia fired. And so the Texans aren't that good. The Colts are. That defense is awesome. I really am not a fan of taking so many favorites, but I will take Indianapolis. Yeah, no DeForest Buckner last week for the Colts, and that makes a huge difference for that defense. He should be back for this one, so I agree. I'll take the Colts and give the points. Detroit at Chicago in a game that I could really care less if they never, ever played, but it's Bears minus three. It feels good to take an underdog. This is the we're free. Um, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking on it from Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne uh, crawling out, crawling out of the sewage system moment for the Lions. I will take Detroit. Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles combined. Give me the Lions, especially when I'm getting points. The Saints, the Taysom Hill-led Saints are playing Atlanta. The Saints are giving two and a half. I am going to surprise myself here. Um, I came in prepared to take the Saints, but I kind of buy that the Falcons are going to play themselves into purgatory, where, like, they're going to look really good. Do we bring Matt Ryan back? Like, you know, and... And beating New Orleans would go a long way in that capacity. I will take Atlanta, at the very least, to cover. I know it's not huge, but I like the Falcons. I am so sick of of New Orleans getting these lucky breaks when their quarterbacks go out. Like, two (laughs) of the games they're playing are against Atlanta. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. I've said it a billion times. He can lose any game he suits up for. It's a division game. I'm going to take Atlanta, and I'll take the points in this one, too. I, I think eventually the Taysom Hill luck has to run out. So I'll go with the Falcons, and I will get the points. Next up, the Giants and Seattle. Daniel Jones is banged up. He's got a hamstring injury, and Seattle's given 10. Wow. Um, If Daniel Jones played, I would take Seattle. If Colt McCoys plays, I will take Seattle twice. Um, I think think that it was amazing. I thought Jimmy Kemsky said it really well with you guys that the Eagles actually made the Seahawks look boring um, on Monday night. I think the Seahawks are super exciting. Uh, Golden Tate revenge game. I think he scores a touchdown, but I do think the Seahawks cover. If Daniel Jones was playing, I might give the Giants a chance. If he doesn't play, forget it. There's no chance. Colt McCoy would be the... Never mind. I can't even finish the thought. Next up, Patriots at Chargers. Chargers giving one. This is really fun for me. Um, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan, if that's not obvious. Um, I do think that Bill Belichick does well against rookie quarterbacks. I think a lot of people are drawing the Deshaun Watson comparison. His rookie year going to New England, the great performance he had. I think that Justin Herbert does well. Uh, Perhaps I'm speaking that into existence because he's my fantasy quarterback this week. So, Justin Herbert, get it done. I believe in you. I will take the Chargers. And it may be a Byzantine in a little bit more time. I agree. I think you have to throw out your preconceptions about the Patriots. This is a different era. Tom Brady is gone. That roster is not very good. The most special thing about the Patriots right now is Bill Belichick. The Chargers roster to me is clearly better, and I only have to give one point. I will take the Chargers. Sorry, Bill, and sorry, Patriots fans. How about this? 
Denver, who finally gets to have a quarterback, going up against the Chiefs. This spread is 13 and a half, RJ. Congratulations to the Broncos for finally getting an opportunity to play an NFL game with a quarterback. Too bad it comes against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know that Tyreek Hill has over 200 yards in the first quarter, but I do think that Kansas City covers this quite handily. I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I actually will take the points with Denver. Vic Fangio is a good defensive head coach, and I'm not saying he's going to win, and I'm not saying it's going to be super close. I think it'll still be a two-score game, but I think he's good enough to keep it somewhat respectable, so I will take Denver and the points. Besides, if we agree on everything, we'll never know who's the better game picker. Uh, Washington football team at Pittsburgh, we don't have a spread for that because Pittsburgh just finished their week tonight. So I can't give you anything there. Next up, Dallas and the Ravens. That spreads off the board, too, because the Ravens just finished their game tonight. So we can't make a pick on that one. Monday night football is Bills and 49ers. The Bills are giving a point and a half. I have a feeling that we will disagree here. Um, I will take Buffalo. I I think that Buffalo is is really kind of getting ready to announce themselves. I think Sean McDermott is slept on. I think Josh Allen is slept on, even though they've had their moment in the sun. Uh, I mean, we talked about the Cardinals, how they're one Hail Mary away from, you know, potentially being, you know, a different team and viewed in a different way, while the Bills are a Hail Mary away from being 9-2. and two. And so I will take Buffalo here. I'm sorry, Stats, I know it pains you. It makes sense. The 49ers kryptonite has been mobile quarterbacks, and Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback. The thing is, the 49ers are getting healthy on offense, and Josh Allen's going to give you a couple turnovers, even though... Do it! Even though Nick Mullins will, too. I call him Big Pick Nick because he seems to throw interceptions at the worst possible time. But I'm going to take the Niners in this one. I think Shanahan's got it rolling. I'll get the points in this one, too. Call me Homer, but I'm going with the Niners. I think they keep it rolling. And there we go, RJ. That is the first ever lightning round on the look ahead. I don't know about you, but I give it a 10 out of 10. I give it a 10 out of 10. I don't know that we were favored. Uh, If we were, I hope we had the points. Um, But whatever it was, I know we beat it. Uh, Congratulations to us. I think we had, what, two differences there? So I'm very excited now to watch those two games uh, with a lot of intent uh, and a lot of will and a lot of voting, uh, however I can. I can't believe how many big-time favorites we took. I think that speaks a lot to what this NFL season is. It's just that, you know, it's it's the season of opposite ends of the extreme. You, You are either really good or you're not, and that's it. And I think we've reached the point in the season where we think we know who these teams are. We might be wrong, but we think we know. That's sort of what happens every year around this time. Okay, that's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. We remind you again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. You'll get this show, and you'll get all the great shows we do every day of the week. Enjoy the games, everybody, and we'll talk to you next Thursday.